Welcome to Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests bring you leading-edge astrology conversations through a journey of soul growth patterns connecting astrology's energetic cycles. Get ready to understand your path in the cosmic roots of the stars. Hello again, Sue Rose Minahan here, host of Talk Cosmos, this conversational astrological query every week that we and you gratefully join with us. It's June 6th, not 19, it's 2021. And the topic for tonight, in a nutshell, that's going to go exploding, is flip the light switch. And it's a reflection on the very upcoming, I was going to say past, but it's past future haze. That's part of the subject too. We're at this moment that combines everything, it seems, um, in all its multiple possibilities. But on June 10th, today's the 6th, four days from now, we have the solar eclipse in Gemini, sun, moon meeting together at 19 degrees, 47 minutes in Gemini. And there's another potent um, possibility event right directly after that on the 14th of June, where Saturn is going to make its second square to Uranus. That'll be part of our topic, too. So it's really a matter with our panel tonight of exploring these this collective consciousness, our relationship to the natural world that is increasingly becoming more evident through these incremental facial aspects, you could say, on the bigger picture. So we're migrating between this is the big picture, this is the little picture, this is what we're thinking. It's a whole potpourri of thought. And that's what I love about Talk Cosmos. And I love about our astrologers that are so um, intellectually, spiritually, consciously involved with figuring and wondering. So join us right now for, because it's time for Planet Buzz. Focusing on planetary ecliptic orbital cycles and planetary pairs called synodic cycles connecting the planets at the same degree that begin our relationship, these are the members of Planet Buzz. I'm Sue Rose Minahan, host of Talk Cosmos, an evolutionary astrologer and consultant plus a certified color energy coach. I explore creative expression as an artist, a musician, and write abundantly stories to poetry. I love investigating mythology's language, philosophizing eternity, and I'm a perpetual student of life, seeing oneness of body, spirit of people, animals, and nature. I'm Leslie Francis author of the 2019 and 2020 Llewellyn Sunsign books, a practicing professional astrologer intuitive, a lecturer, and host of my own podcast, Coloring Outside the Box. My lifelong search to understand what it is to be human led me to develop my own approach to astrology called purpose-centered astrology. I passionately seek to support people in their greatest act of creativity, living life, through consultations and webinars creator of star cards, I love talking and making people laugh. I'm Tara All, an astrologer, writer, and artist who loves spirituality and metaphysics. I practice and teach evolutionary astrology, and I work with the tarot, crystals, hermeticism, and animal medicine. 
My approach is creative and experiential, and I created a YouTube video series called We Are The Planets through EA Zoom meetings. I also speak at conferences. Currently, I'm the resident astrologer and lead writer for Sage Goddess, and I serve on the ESAR board as marketing director. And I'm Dr. Laura Tad. I have a PhD in human science and work as a spiritually oriented psychological astrologer with people around the world. I teach and lecture on astrology, both in person and remotely. I have a blog. I have written for the Mountain Astrologer, Celestial Vibes, and Tarot.com. Additionally, I am the educational coordinator for Live Life Resources, an educational nonprofit specializing in resiliency training, education, and research. And as the ancient Hermetic Code reveals, as below, so above, as above, so below. Yes, and the Hermetic Code, of, as many might know, has a much longer, but that's essentially what we realize. We're a reflection. And how do we interpret that? We have free will. There is, you know, it's always the eternal question, fate and free will. Well, today we're speaking with that grounded focus of, well, I don't know how grounded, but we're getting there. Grounded focus. <laughs> On the eclipse, it's in our uh, near future, flipping the switch. And, you know, eclipses, I will comment, there's always a debate. How long does it last? Well, in one way, it could be till the next three years later when it repeats that whole, it's a whole series of cycles. And then others will say six months until the next one. Solar eclipses are powerful. And when they're in your chart, it really has a very long lasting effect. And I'm talking to our audience here because at the half hour, each of us will bring attention to where is it in our chart and it kind of personalize that more, which we always do with this great group. It seems to be one of our signatures that we've added and it works really well. I will suggest to open this subject a question that was brought up during one of our pre-chats. And it was, I'm looking here, where in the heck is it? Oh, yes. How do we, re because, okay, well, I'll back up that up. There's a, a couple of lines from a poem that are uh, renowned in many ways. In fact, Dr. Tad Laura was mentioning that Nelson Mandela memorized this and kept this poem close to him. He was in jail, as we know, in South Africa for, gosh, 20, uh, maybe more long years. I should know. I want to say 30, but it was a long time. And fortunately was released and then became the president or whatever they call it in South Africa and illustrious individual. So these two lines, and it's by Invictus. It's the poem by William Henley in 1875 rather difficult circumstances that provoked him to write this challenging, uh, uh, victorious message to himself. So I am the, at the last stanzas, which I remembered and kept me alive for many years was, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And I think that's where these energies that are forthcoming in all their different cycles are leading us towards get that inner strength of our spirit within to be our guiding 
rule. So back to the question now that was brought up during our pre-chats. So we prepare, we organize, we brainstorm. And I like this. How do we respond? Respond to all these energies here. We need a new way. So let's look at or look at the broken stuff for a new plan. Plan, and of course, Uranus is part of that. Well, however, that introduces us. Let's go to our panel again, <laughs> and um, I think the focus was on the North Node, and Mercury, of course, is retrograde in Gemini. If that um, connecting and disconnecting. So, with any thoughts there that you want to enter, any of you about the disconnecting? reconnecting energies that we're trying to reprocess our experience. <laughs> yeah, because it's toggling past, present, future. Um, I'm looking at, so, and it's weaving. I think the fact is, is that that energy on the North Node, that's our collective energies that we're all trying to reach and bring in new energies, whether it's classes or information galore. It's like, holy mackerel. It's um, to, to, because we want to recalibrate. We've already released from the full moon our some of our belief systems. We're in this process of focusing on this new pathway. And there's some resistance about that, yes? Well, I, I think that, of course, part of it has to do with separating the wheat from the chaff. Because we live in a world right now where information is flying at us all of the time. And how do we begin to um, sort our way through it? To And, and here's, here's the deal. Information, that, 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 you know, it's interesting. We need to look at the nodal axis, Gemini, Sagittarius. Informational by itself needs a context. And I think that often that's what Sagittarius is about, is finding a space and a place to put that information and to recognize also the challenge of being clear uh, what does inform your reality. I mean, an eclipse, you know, it, it's funny when you were talking, Sue, it suddenly I felt like eclipses have, you know, maybe are an opportunity for us to get more connected to our souls, to get more connected to that spiritual aspect of ourselves, because I really do believe we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And so when an eclipse comes along, it's an opportunity for us to carve out a new pattern or a new pathway for ourselves. Yes. Immediately, it reminds me that Neptune, our planet of the unknown without boundaries of the cosmic energies, um, the spiritual is so involved. And with this chart, I think it's squaring, um, uh, the moon and sun itself, they're both at 1923 degrees. I think it's a, it's a, Yeah. And then of course, Jupiter, which for traditional astrologers and it's part of the picture, although we are, I am modernist. I do accept that Neptune is ruling Pisces, but Jupiter, which was a traditional one is in Pisces. So now that expansive nature is really accessing more, you know, in contrast with to unsettle, to unsettle. So I think really it drives back, Leslie, to what you were saying, but 
centering into that spirit that we really are instead of looking at the material so much to give us the answers or the external. Yeah. I think I, I know, I know I've mentioned this before in our previous shows, but for me, the North node in Gemini and all this Gemini activity and even um, Neptune and Pisces uh, squaring it now, it's not just about new information coming in for me. It's about, using our minds in a new way. And whenever Neptune interacts with something, it gives us an invitation or an opportunity to move into a new uh, expanded space of consciousness. And so for me, the opportunity is not just to receive new information. I mean, that's part of it, but literally the way we perceive information itself, even the way that we relate to what we call our mind, like to me, that's that's opening into a whole new field of experience if we want it to. Mm -hmm. And that's, so for me, that's just, a, that's like the broader piece. And then if I'm able to perceive differently, if I'm able to open myself to a new level of consciousness about what, even what my mind is, what it can do, how I work with it, how it's part of me, am I in it? Is it in me? You know, all these kinds <laughs> of questions, right? That then how I connect those dots, how I put things together, how I see the bigger patterns, which actually draws in the Sagittarius um, polarity to Gemini, then I have, I have new ability. And so f for me, it's a whole mental leveling up. Um, yeah, it's the best way I know to say it, but that's how, that's how I feel about it. And that's how I'm experiencing it in my own life too. That's potent and beautiful because it ties in immediately what we brought in with the questions. How do we respond? We need a new way. I think Laura was the one that brought that up in our, uh, and so, and when you say level up, Uranus, of course, is so involved right now with that square mm -hmm. to Saturn, mm -hmm. which is the second time since February, uh, early February, yeah. and will be again in Christmas Eve which is always the old and the new, very involved. And I love this idea that you really bring in of working with our minds and our spirits, our souls in a new way. Like you, had, you know, downloading information, seeing signs, signals, navigating, navigating in a um, truer, yeah, elevated. Well, and, and even interpreting things in a different way because we know that like that links right in with our perception right but how i interpret this moment is going to be the reality i experience of it so therefore i'm saying like even though gemini is tied in with facts and information ultimately it's how i interpret those things that gives life any meaning to me i'm saying we're we're so in charge of that part we don't i think we don't recognize that enough how much you know it's, it's, it's up to us our story yes Beautiful. And when we change perception, right? I sort of think of like the Ruben vase, which is the vase mm -hmm. and the two profile faces. Mm -hmm. And once you've seen it both ways, once you've seen the two profiles and the vase in the image, you can't go back to seeing it yeah. one way. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of imagery that's that where it's the old woman and the young woman. Right. And it's like, once mm -hmm. your mind has seen both, you can't go back to only seeing one. You might've struggled to see that optical illusion initially, but once that's cleared, you're accessing, as you were saying, Tara, mm -hmm. like that new information coming in a new way, even, or understanding old information, perceiving mm -hmm. it 
completely yeah. new. Even if the data itself hasn't yeah. changed, your perception yeah. is wholly new. Mm -hmm. And that that can be part of this. I think particularly with the Mercury being retrograde on this eclipse, mm -hmm. that that's part of this energy. That's flipping the light switch. It's, what a great illustration. Yes. And I was reading something last night about, uh, it was about intuition, but it was saying intuition, this person was saying that intuition is like when you flip a light switch on and you just see everything in the room for one second illuminated. You don't see all the bits and pieces and weave it together. You literally have a flash of everything as it is. And so I recognize that that's more talking about the Sagittarius side, but you can't talk about Gemini without its polarity point Sagittarius. Then, you know, Leslie was saying this before that the just the bits and pieces don't have meaning without a greater context or uh, a, a greater, I guess, philosophy for them to rest into, right? And so part of this is all of this is getting challenged at the same time, what the information is, what it means, and how we see it, and how we perceive it, and how we interpret it. Even what the symbols mean um, is up for renegotiation, really, in some ways. I mean, we know this, like, in our moving from more from a, a binary to a non-binary, you know, way of, way of looking at things, especially in astrology. That's an example of where the old symbols don't represent the archetypes anymore, not the way they used to. This uh, and you know, it's interesting, as a person who is also gifted psychically, I, I remember when I, I, you know, not thinking that, that I had that talent. And, and now I flow between what would you consider your conscious mind into that other space easily. But in the beginning, I, I really, my thought was, <clears throat> well, how are you going to know if you are, is it going to be like a, you know, one of those airplanes flying across the sky with a sign behind it that says, or is it going to be like a ticker tape? <clears throat> now there's a psychic message coming. And <laughs> so exactly. I, I really think that right now we're in a space in a place where if we're open, we can allow ourselves to flow again into different perceptual frequencies. That sounds <clears throat> kind of scientific, I'm, but it's not really. So yeah, we open up our consciousness. The, the challenge, of course, because Mercury is retrograde, is this tendency of, not, to resist. However, we can go back into the past or go back into past parts of our life experiences because of course for me i realized that i had a lot of intuitive insights my whole life and because we have the sun the moon and mercury all together hanging out there's also the potential for you to recognize experiences in your past that are leading you to a different space and a place yeah. now and in the future well, it's, it's almost like you recognize that the sign, like the road sign actually said something different than you thought it said back there. And now that you know the road sign says something different, you can kind of readjust, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's what I, what I really, really uh, love about this whole conversation now is to about the form, because it's so, it's, it's bringing to f the idea that rather than expect it to come in a form, like, I, I, I love that idea, you know, the jet there bringing the message in the sky somehow. It's like, yes, we, we, we see something and we expect that's how it's going to be. But here we're talking about totally different um, being in touch and in whatever level we're at. Because for those that have been looking at 
symbolic signs and it could be as somebody's talking it could be the, the a movie um, title you know so many different ways like that puzzle and that's the other part too in the conversation you know i've often thought of it like a mural with little tiles you know we're putting together a whole that's what i'm trying to do in my life is like you take all the pots of containers you throw them on the ground <laughs> Just like they did in, I think, all across Meso North America, the, uh, the the original people here had a lot of pots, and there's a whole idea that that's perfect, and by breaking it, it it's like remaking. There's a whole spiritual analogy with it. But at any rate, you take all those little pot pieces, shards, I think they're called, and you make a new picture. <sighs> yeah. Form consciousness and lightning that's the other thing about illuminating isn't it a lot with Uranus that's happening now this idea of the as long as it's not like a strobe I keep thinking of the strobe lights right back in the 70s <laughs> they were a little bit well I think with I mean with those with the Saturn Uranus square I don't know awakening I guess is the word I that always resonates most to me with Uranus there's awakening but with Uranus and Taurus, part of that is awakening body intelligence. So again, it's funny how we keep coming back to these same things of like, what is what is our mind and mental intelligence? What is our body intelligence? All these different levels of intelligences and and how are we working uh, with them? That's just one aspect. We know, of course, that Saturn Uranus square is absolutely about the struggle between you know the past to the future, which leaves us you know <laughs> right in the space between the two. But I'm just saying the way forward to me feels like it has to be built on a different level or we have to look to different levels of intelligences to actually do that in a successful progressive way. That to me keeps repeating in all these different patterns, even with different signatures, different things, not just the eclipse, just in general. Where have we been, like what, like, what do you tune into to get the next cue? Well, I think you tune in to your, to your own consciousness and, and as you were talking about your body, because the truth is your body will never lie to you. Yeah, your, your conscious mind, you know, can rearrange things in whatever way it wants to have mm -hmm. the outcome that it's mm -hmm. seeking. Where, whereas, and, and I speak from experience because I live a lot in my head and sometimes my body has to really yell at me, really yell at me to get my attention. <laughs> well, and I think that that's part of the retrograde, the Mercury retrograde, right? There's usually, you know, the colloquially all the, the, there's so much fear around, oh, Mercury's retrograde again, stuff's going to go awful and break. And yes, my dishwasher broke yesterday. That happens under Mercury <laughs> retrograde. But, um, but the other piece of it is in terms of like this receiving of information is, oh, we've already received the information. We just weren't paying attention. And so Mercury is retrograde to get say like, no, no, remember you were already told you just weren't listening. And so we're going to tell you again because you didn't listen the first time. And I, I often feel with any planetary retrograde, I often feel like it's, it's going back over where it already was because we didn't get it the first time. And so particularly with it being retrograde in Gemini, it's about these messages that we have failed to listen to or misunderstood. Well, yeah. And, yeah. Well, typical Mercury fashion too, Laura, just as you were saying, sometimes we get the information and we just put it, like we put it in the wrong bucket, right? We literally like, we're so fast mm -hmm. to be like, oh, this sounds like this. So 
we shove it off here to a part, right? And where we really need is access it right here. It's the same thing you're saying, but it's another way that I've realized with myself is like, whoa, where did I put that when I come in, when it came in? What did I actually think it was? Because you're right, it's a whole new chance to kind of draw it out and be like, what is it actually? Which can well, change and, everything, literally change everything. That's strong. So, yes. and, and you know, if I, 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 uh, I don't have Mercury retrograde in my chart, but I have six other retrogrades. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, dealing with the whole notion that this is not a good thing. Uh, and I realized that, you know, the other, the gift of a retrograde, a Mercury retrograde is a time to get tuned in in here. And, and to turn one's attention to one's inner self and 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 you know go and see if you, who, what you put in what bucket and what you weren't listening to and all because we certainly now live in a world where there's so much now there's a mercury retrograde experience right uh, where where you know you've just been there's just so much flying around and it's almost in, in this time and space, we need Mercury retrograde to, so we can sort of get on track with ourselves and not be distracted by all the things because of course, Gemini gets easily distracted. Well, I will say, and it's now, it happens Sorry, to be dude. my birth. No, it's my birthday. And it was a long, 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 good friend who's not an astrologer. I love her dearly. I love her dearly. And she doesn't need to be an astrologer. And, um, and, and she wanted to wish me happy birthday. Her birthday is yesterday. In fact, we met that way. I said, thank you. I said, hi, what's your name? And what's, when's your birthday? And she said, uh, today. And I said, oh, well, mine's tomorrow. We were like, well, no, it was like half birthdays. It was, oh, I, that's what it was. It was half birthdays. And when, you know, when you're 15 years old, half birthdays, they matter. They still matter to me. <laughs> At any rate, now do we need all this information? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we will come back. This is with Planet Buzz, and I'm with Dr. Laura Tad, Tara All, Leslie Francis, and myself. And today's June 6th, and we're talking about the light switch. We're flipping it on and off and the eclipse coming up. We'll be right back. <laughs> While we take a break from this week's edition of Talk Cosmos, let's take a look at this cycle's archetype. We are currently in the period of Gemini, by leaving a cycle based on physical form, integrated through spirit, the energy of Gemini connects spirit with matter, focused on communicating and defining the external. Gemini is a mutable air sign signifying flexibility. Gemini duly focuses upon teaching and learning in order to synthesize the world one lives within. Whether we know it or not, each of us are on a quest to discover our true self. And the road we travel to accomplish this goal is unique for each of us. This is Marie O'Neill's hero's journey of walking her path and overcoming hardship and heartache in her book, And the Lotus Opened. As a memoir of enduring an absent mother and a harsh pseudo family and surviving ongoing abuse and trauma, Marie learns to trust in the divine and in her inner self 
and release herself from the emotional chains that bound her. She discovers her personal power and who she is, and she learns what being free really means. Now available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com, in either hardcover, paperback, or ebook, you can order Marie O'Neill's book, And the Lotus Opened, and let Marie be your guide as she leads you on your path to authentic freedom using metaphysics, astrology, Buddhism, and healing practices. Talk Cosmos brings you leading-edge astrological conversations with hour-long programs each week on KKNW. The show goes live every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. Talk Cosmos weekly programs are also available to watch live on Facebook and YouTube, along with daily chats throughout the week on the Talk Cosmos YouTube channel. While you're there, make sure you click like and subscribe buttons so you can get the full Talk Cosmos experience. Or, if you'd rather listen to the show archives with audio only, the entire podcast collection since 2018 is available on most podcast carriers. So, grab your coffee, tea, or kombucha, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is John Luke. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, and you're listening to Talk Cosmos on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM, where we discuss the meaningfulness of our roots in the stars and planets. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Hi again. We're returning, and I was taking a few notes. Okay, our conversation essentially is in this whole spectrum of the eclipse season that we're soon going to be occurring on the solar in Gemini at 19 degrees, 47 minutes in Gemini on the 10th. And so... You know, Mercury, generally what I was remembering is a liminal space. Mercury is the ruler planet, and we've been talking a great deal about it. It's retrograde right now in Gemini. There's three retrogrades every year. In this year, they're all in air signs. It was in Aquarius. This one's in uh, Gemini, and the next one will be in Libra, the three air signs. And interestingly, during its retrograde, it'll be entirely within that sign. Sometimes it goes back to the previous signs, but nope, not this year. It's going to be Gemini, 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 which has to do with this liminal space. And it has to do with Mercury that is um, always at twilight, right? Twilight or dawn. Well, twilight, dawn, dusk, right? Yes. And so because it's so close to the sun and you really can't see it very often. So it is that cycle pump that goes between the spirit and the matter and also uh, could go to Hades, the death the subconscious, those other realms that other planets didn't go to. So just to recap people, um, we could pull up the charts now, but maybe we should, because I'm thinking there's other aspects. There's a square that we were talking about with um, the two big, you know, Saturn and Uranus. Plus there's a T-square with... Mars, you know, change, a lot of change with our actions with Pluto. So let's go to, unless somebody has a thought, should we go to the chart and I'll pull it up? Yeah, let's start with saying, so we're talking about uh, the new moon solar eclipse on June 10th. And it's in Gemini. It will be conjunct Mercury retrograde. It will be trine Saturn, sextile Chiron and square Neptune. 
Yes. So we definitely have a juicy little arrangement, but I just wanted to make sure that we kind of state that out there. Sometimes we start talking as if we, everyone just knows what we're talking about. Oh, I appreciate that. And (laughs) I will elaborate because those are excellent. And I think you can see the screen. I know that the podcast people can't, so that's very important to show. But for those people that can say, and this happens to be in Washington, D.C., because it is where to choose it, but that's where... anyways, on the East Coast at 6.52 a.m. in the morning. And so we won't be necessarily talking about houses because if you're on the West Coast, it's going to be different or Hawaii here too. So I won't say that. But here with the sun, that Chiron, that energy of healing energies happens to be the midpoint between the solar eclipse and Saturn. And of course, Saturn's in that square with Uranus. So Saturn's pretty really doing a lot of action this time, isn't it? It's like, the where are the new rules? I can see, Laura, where you, you said, like, what's the new story? What, what are we pulling upon? Well, for houses, unless somebody else had another comment about the chart, because sun, moon is our, our total ego persona, you could say, of our directions and embodies all of us. And the moon is our story our emotions our past that reflects who we are it's boy it's a wonderful couldn't live without the moon but with houses i mean it's going to depend where people are i think what becomes more significant Mm -hmm. is where it falls in somebody's individual chart right so if you know your ascendant right so then being able to calculate that out with placing gemini Um, and mid-Gemini, right? So for me, that falls in the seventh house. So this particular eclipse is going to have a lot to do with relationships. And and it could be intimate partnerships, but any sort of close, deep friendships too, or any sort of business partnerships, right? Just sort of what governs that area. And I can see that already percolating and gestating for me as there's some big shifts happening work-wise and some previous collaborations ending, some new collaborations starting. And so that's part of how that'll, you know, how that's showing up for me. And I think without that, so for your, for anybody listening, you know, just being able to get a sense of where this is falling in your own chart, that's where this idea of taking in information in a new way and what that information might be related to is going to be be showing up and then depending on how tightly that does or doesn't aspect things in your own chart will amplify it as well right so for me it falls on my in my seventh house and pretty much on my mercury right so it's gonna have a lot to do with communication even if isn't it for you too a lot about counseling and because seventh house is can be counseling with other people i think you're changing your schools or Hmm. there's is that if I'm not, if I'm being appropriate here or not. Um, yeah. Well, so where I've been teaching for the last three years is coming to a close and I'm launching a lot of my own classes and teaching and then, as I was saying, so collaborating with other people, um, which is part of that seventh house. So I think, you know, for once you get a sense of where that's falling in your own chart, you have a better idea of how it will manifest because that's going to be more accurate than, oh, well, I'm south of Atlanta and it's going to be in the, um, I think it falls in the 12th house here with a, or first or 12th, there's a Gemini rising yeah. here, but that's not going to be nearly as personal no, as a, where it falls for me natally. 
Yeah. yeah. In fact, I could change this. So it was like an Aries rising, but exactly true. So thank you for stepping up with that, Laura. And then Leslie or Tara, do you want to share? I think Tara, you had quite a bit happening too. Yeah. Well, and mine's easier to think about because I am Aries rising. So when you think about just the, well, I know there's some discussion now about the natural Zodiac, but I'm still going to say it, even if it's controversial, the natural Zodiac, meaning starting with Aries. So for me, that means that this um, new moon eclipse is going to fall into my third house because Gemini is in my third house and it's right on my South node my south node of the moon that is uh, in Gemini. So one really easy literal thing that's happening for me is I uh, my my day job, or, which is at Sage Goddess, uh, which is a big metaphysical company. I'm a resident astrologer and lead writer there. We have been, the marketing team has been working from home during COVID, but we're, it's, not, it's not a remote job. It's a on-site job. So... On the 14th of June, marketing team is all 100% back in the office and I'll be back to driving in my car commuting every day after 18 months of not doing that. So that's a literal interpretation of like the eclipse in my third house, which has a lot to do with transportation, how we get from here to there and connections, right? Um, so that's definitely a change in my immediate environment. Um, the stuff I spoke about earlier about reusing our mind in new ways I feel like that's um, especially on point for me with this eclipse on my south node in Gemini, because in so many ways it opens up, opens up connections to the past in ways that I can see them in a new way. And I'm experiencing that in different ways uh, in my own life right now. And even in the way that I teach and share and communicate in the way that I write, which is all third house stuff, right? There's new things coming into my consciousness already now and we haven't even had the eclipse so yeah yes well I and i just wanted to make the observation that of course tara is going to have her first book published at, during oh. during the impact of this particular eclipse all old wisdom yeah. right yeah it's true very true that's um, great. In fact, yeah. I was going to ask you about getting a date so that we could talk about your book online here. So we will talk about that later. This is oh. great, which it will lead into mine. Leslie, what, how did, where is it put in your chart? Okay, well, it, it, I find it fascinating because so typically Mercury retrograde. Uh, it's in my 11th house and it's opposed to my Chiron in the 5th. And I have just spent a good proportion of the last week going through every document, piece of paper, notes with ideas, thoughts that I, charts of people I don't even remember, uh, that I've been hoarding, as, as one of the people on my condo board has said, you've, you're, you've turned into a hoarder. I, I now have and, and for me, I feel like it's I'm clearing the decks for a deeper expression of my creativity mm. uh, and, and going. And, and it's funny because I'm looking at these things thinking, oh, wow, that'd be a great idea for a podcast. Just because just, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very airy and I have notes here and ideas there and, and, and never the twain shall meet. But now maybe they might actually coalesce. In, into something uh, longer term. And it 
And it's weird because one of the things that I did was I chose to throw out all the notes that I have ever taken in an astrological class or a lecture <laughs> or a workshop because I have never looked at them again. Never. So, And I'm not the amount of time that it would take for me to read through all of that. Plus, I, sometimes I look at my notes from lectures and I don't even understand what it is I wrote down. So it, it, it's, it's kind of like that's a literal way, a physical way of purging yourself so something new can be planted. You are speaking it and that faith, I'm thinking, because I too keep just in case I'll roll back. But here, actually, you did. You you took the past and the present and you're going to the future. And 11th house is like the collective. You're going to share it with the collective. I mean, I love this. It's perfect. And then to the, the we will talk later about, in fact, this will be a good segue into that other aspect, our personal Mars. In the last degree of cancer, our old stories um, opposite the almighty Pluto wrecking ball here that wants us to <laughs> purge. <you know? laughs> well, for me, I have it just the reverse of um, Tara's. It's in my ninth house, all my Gemini. It's ruled by Taurus, but it's actually most of it is in Gemini. So it's sitting there in my ninth house of philosophy and whatnot. Um, and all the information is so much me but I am it's really like these little light bulbs of thought just speckling around and trying to really uh, refocus on so many purposes because you know like you do need to anchor things in and ideas seem to be one of my hallmarks I can come up with them but where do I put them and what do I do with them and it is the Again, it's like this whole besiege of stuff, and I have to realize that. Um, and, and it's a matter of categorizing, and how to get help. And in fact, I was just reminded to ask for guides for my guides, mm -hmm. right? So there is, it's it's really exploring these new ways of of thinking, and and a lot to do about talk cosmos mm -hmm. because we have the the panels that. And then how to expand. And then I'm thinking of a new idea. Actually, I'll say it. I would love to have a conference. And at first I thought six months. And then I realized that is no way going to happen. You know? <laughs> so, and then where and all this. So at the moment, I'm not, my button, I have to look astrologically, isn't quite on top of that. Mm -hmm. But um, one idea I will say, ninth house, is I want to start including, because I have an open uh, event every month and I'm getting a potpourri of ideas and one of them is I want to get authors to talk about their books so that's where Tara I was thinking da -da 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 -da. I think we might enlist yourself I hope if you can spare a, and we can do it on pre-recorded but watching <laughs> a lot yeah, so it's not on a because but I am thinking that there's many ways to but really, I think the deeper is the why. I'm really searching why. I've always, why has always been important. That's where my son is to begin with. Mm. Um, but it, the why can get so deep. And it's not just the why of connecting. It's, it's and I think more of it's the why to be that catalyst for 
um, collectively so that we can raise our um, personal dreams back to that. I am the captain. I'm the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul so that more people feel that and therefore will be the form that they are not controlling. Like I have a little adage that says control, nothing, create everything. So there you go. (laughs) As grounded as I can. (laughs) Well, I always think of the ninth house sometimes as like a, especially with, with Mercury retrograde there, it's like a, recheck where you are on the path, you know, I mean, and, and I'm not a believer you can get off the path because you are your path. But I mean, like, consciously tuning into the ninth house and Sagittarius in general is about making choices and choosing a direction versus Gemini and third house is kind of like, ooh, let's wander this way and that way, whatever. So I know for me, like my north node is in Sag in the ninth house, I know a big part of that is getting attuned and conscious with yes, this is the direction. And then I choose it and go with it and move towards it. Um, It's so easy with the Gemini. We used the word earlier to get distracted, right? Take door number one, now door number two, right? Maybe there's something here. At some point, you got to make a choice and go with it. And the ninth house is a big, to me, is a big part of that process. Yay. (laughs) The Gemini is really experiential. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's why, well, I always call them the, the reporter of the Zodiac. They're the one that's going to go do something and then tell everybody else about it and what it was like. And because they love to share what they know, uh, the key is, you know, as, as so Sue so succinctly put it, is finding a place to ground it. And, and as a person who has a lot of air energy in her chart, I, I totally get it. So I totally get it. <laughs> Right. It's that I think of Gemini as like the data gatherer, right? As opposed to the Virgo, which is also connected with Mercury, where then you analyze all the data that Gemini gathered, right? So it's this, there's never enough data for Gemini. No. No. Fortunately, I have good Virgo that I'm recognizing more. Let's, thank you for all. I appreciate this. This is like a, a great opportunity, especially today is my big B day. Let's talk about. <laughs> yeah. We could it have been your charge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'll be fine. That'll be fine. I could use all the help. <laughs> yeah. Let's, because it is like we know that Neptune squaring these nodes, the south node of Sag and north node is where's the boundaries? There aren't. It's wide expansion. So there's huge imagination, all the possibilities. And I think one of the bylines that came out of our pre-chat with synchrosynicity. There was, if we can lead from there into the T-square, which is the opposite, is like expansion to contraction of, um, because T-squares are expanding, but they have to work with each other. They've got all that tension going on. But here, and this is a square too, actually. It's it's that tension of, um, of, of, and I think, but it, because it's in Pisces so much, Neptune is that rewilding the 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 synchronicity. There was some talk about that that it relates back to other years. I think Laura, you were bringing that up about um, Carl Jung when he came up with synchronicity. Was it 1974 that it was the reverse? Oh, earlier than that. Yeah, but, that similar but, energies, not exactly. Sure. But, well, when I mean his essay, his book on synchronicity, 
includes a study on astrology where he was looking at the location of the sun and moon in married couples and trying to see if there was a correlation between marriage and the sun and moon in people's charts. Mm -hmm. Um, and from a scientific perspective, it came back as inconclusive data. Um, I see a lot of flaws in his study, but, <laughs> um, so, cause all he was looking at is people who are married and where's their sun and moon, but there's no context of the nature of the relationship. What caused it? Why were they married? What was the impetus to get married? All of that would color what that. Yeah. It was very scientific, is like. just this data in relation. Yep. Um, but just the idea of synchronicity in general is things that seem to happen, seem unrelated and yet happen correspondingly. Right. And that he just noticed that that was happening sort of. And whether that, and he didn't necessarily go into the spiritual metaphysical component of, of it as much as some might. He was trying to come up with a rational Virgonian understanding of metaphysical manifestations. Um, and yet there is that sort of synchronicity of things happening that you can't logic your way into. Um, and that can be very much that Neptunian Pisces energy that you just, you just know, you couldn't tacit knowing as they talk about in higher math, where you have the solution, but not the formula to get there. Yeah. Right. Um, or why, like, you know, Leslie, you walk into Norwalk and I know it's you. I couldn't tell you what specifically makes you Leslie more than any other person. That instant recognition is that tacit knowing I'm not, that happens instantaneously. Um, and that's part of that Neptunian understanding and with that faith i'm thinking too it goes back to like when leslie was talking about the faith of tearing up all or whatever it is that leads you to just not question and get beyond that linear thinking that that gemini can want so strongly is a and there's a straight line between a and b no sometimes it's very vague and it's there are other ways to get there it goes back to like um what I think Tara was saying it really understand all of this is a combination of saying receive as it may show in the form that it wants to show. Well, the other thing I would say is a part of uh, just to add a little bit more to that is I looked at things really through the lens of is, is this meaningful to me? Like, mm -hmm. you know, because I I'm also a strong believer that, that those things, whatever they were, form some foundation of my life, even if I wasn't consciously paying attention to them. Mm -hmm. They were still, that energy was still present in my life. And in a way, I feel like, you know, it's kind of what we're talking about with this eclipse. I'm clearing the decks. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. This allows me to see the world in a, in a different way, even though consciously back to the synchronicity part, and the Neptunian part, even though consciously I can't really tell you what that is. Right? I want to, because we're, thank you, everybody. And what I, remembering that Jupiter will go only two degrees of Pisces. So on June 28th, it goes retrograde in Pisces back to Aquarius, which it'll then join in um, late July, I think on the 28th of July. So, when it's in retrograde of Pisces, it's that um, somewhat the consciousness of compassion, compassion Pisces for the self, more than the others, which so easily the Piscean 
uh, caretaking can want to do. Thinking of that, let's focus on Mars at its last degree, anaerobic degree of Cancer, 29. That last opportunity is, you know, it can. The old story, that sacred, the old story about um, because it's opposite. Uh, Pluto, thank you, in Capricorn, which is at the end. And also it's T-squared by Eris, the truth teller, wants us to tell the true truth, the, the truth to ourselves. So that's us, I think, very potent, involved energy, yes, that we're all experiencing too. Are we home with ourselves? You know, or where is home, we could say? How do you want to look at Mars? I don't know. We have like two minutes to do it. So it might not be enough to actually do something, but even maybe thinking more about it, moving into Leo because that's coming so soon might be a, a a good way to think about it. Cause I know we talked in our pre-meeting about when Mars move, well, Mars in general wants to do what it wants, no matter what sign it's in. Right. That's just a Martian. I mean, that's a Marshall type of thing. So, but when it moves into Leo, there's a special push for really, I want to do what I want to do. And so that's going to be something we're all going to be experiencing in addition to all these other energies happening at the same time. So, you know, I think, you know, we, we took, we went back and forth a lot of different times about it. Um, but it was this idea of, will we even stop and listen or are we just going to forge on ahead? Cause that's sometimes what Mars and Leo can just do. I just want it. And I want it now. So the only thing that I would say about Mars at 29 degrees of cancer is to make sure that you've processed emotionally uh, your foundation, however you view that. So going forward, when you take the action that you really want to take, you're doing it from a place of strength and not, uh, well, you know, that kind of impulsive thing that comes sometimes from insecurity. Yeah. And it gets back to listening to yourself through all these messages that we've said. This is so true. For people, our wonderful audience, before we hang up, we'll have a little music here. And we are at the closing. But this is panel buzz. Planet, not panel. Planet. Thank you with the extra L there. Yeah, planet buzz. And we have Leslie Francis of Canada, Tara All of Los Angeles, and Dr. Laura Tad of Georgia, and I'm here in Hawaii at the moment, and have been, and we're talking every month, and we're so glad that you connect with us, whether it's on the Talk Cosmos channel, or whether it's the podcast, and we do air through the radio station at KKNW that has 24 hours, all kinds of conversation. Next week will be the Cosmic Collaboration. So... This is June 6th, and choosing the direction, the experience, grabbing the elements from the, oh my goodness, we each have a couple of seconds. (laughs) Gemini ultimately is open-mindedness. If you can open your mind, amazing things will drop in. I think that's the most simple way to look at it, but you just got to be available. Well said. Yeah. (laughs) The willingness. Yes. Well, good luck to each of you, Laura, with your new directions and Tara and Leslie. It's it's exciting summer, really, when we look at it collectively. Yay. Thank you, everybody. 
Thank you for joining us on Talk Cosmos, the show where Sue Rose Minahan and her panel of guests connect soul growth patterns with the energetic cycles of astrology. Be sure to tune in next Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific time to continue your journey through the roots of the cosmic pathway.